Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado, and on this show, I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. On today's episode, we speak with Camilo Rojas, internationally acclaimed creative whose work can be found in different locations all over Miami. Today, we not only get a sneak peek behind his creative process, but also hear about the moments that have most shaped who he is today. From washing cars for money to funny anecdotes of his early school years making his first few bucks off his creativity, this is one episode you do not want to miss. So, kick back, relax, and enjoy this fun and inspiring conversation with Camilo Rojas. Camilo, welcome to the show, man. Hello, hello. Thank you very much. I first heard about you. Um, I first learned about you when when I had your wife Valerie on episode 26, where we talked about all the shoot, uh, my travel and everything. And then your name came up again when I interviewed Matt Cush on episode 31, and he was raving about everything and how much you help him and everything. So. Um, I feel like I've gotten to know a little bit about what you do and all the awesome things that you do through other people that I've also had on the show. But one of the, th the, the things that I noticed is one of your most recent works. It, it talks about everyone has a story to tell. This show is all about learning about the story that you have to tell. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for the listeners and go for it. Okay. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Camilo Rojas. I'm a multidisciplinary designer. I'm a creative entrepreneur and a global explorer. I was born in Colombia. Uh, right now I'm currently based in Miami, Florida, and also I'm a global citizen. I have a strong design background and my focus is mainly letters. I play with them and I give new meaning to letters. Um, I, I love building and doing things with, with my hands. Um, I love analog work and I always strive for simplicity and a strong concept. Uh, currently, I, I also, there is a term nowadays that I think it applies to me. It's called an art entrepreneur. And so I run my own design studio and I also co-founded um, a Miami startup called Shoot My Travel with my wife and with my partner, Andres Echeverri. So I like that word, art, entrepreneur. So why don't you kind of go a little bit into what that means, what that describes, what does that mean for you and your life? Well, um, I'm not necessarily fond of titles, um, but in order for us as humans to understand what we do, um, entrepreneur, um, I, I'm very passionate about art and and everything pretty much that we do and I do, it's art. And the difference is when there is a client or there is a customer in between, it, it, it converts to design, but also as we are running our own enterprises and businesses, it makes you automatically a, an, an entrepreneur. So I call that, I put myself into that, under that title, the entrepreneur. 
Cool, cool. So why don't why don't you kind of give the listeners a little bit of a a description or talk about some of the types of projects that you are um, that you're getting involved in, some of the things that you do. Let let let's share a little bit of my story first. For sure. I think. Um, where can I start? Maybe uh, how I started with working with letters and typography and calligraphy. When I was a kid, um, I remember the first day of school. It was very. It, it wasn't a happy day for me because all my friends were showing off their books, their new books, uh, their hand, the handbooks. The how do you call them? Yeah. Where you take notes, they were bringing all the with the latest designs, you know, with the model on the on the cover, and I didn't have money to to buy all those fancy notebooks, and my the color of my pages were yellow and they didn't have any design they were extremely plain but as a kid you don't understand that because of social pressures the first year um, i felt very upset about it the second year i was like i have to get creative and i found my way to the first day of school to show off what i did so i used to do collages with um, from magazines and then handwrite my names and graffiti, uh, some sort of graffiti on my bubble letters and on my on the cover of my notebooks. So everybody was like, "How come you have those? Where did you get it?" And I made them, and they were unique. So I made an, an statement, um, and everybody had the same notebooks, and and I and I had my notebooks were unique. So everybody was like, "Oh, I want some of those." So that was my first entrepreneurial um encounter that's awesome dude what grade is this oh, it was probably in elementary uh, second or third grade of elementary no way that's... i was very very young i was probably seven eight years old wow holy crap dude like okay so let me interject here because this is this is so crazy that you have that story because i had the same not the same thing of like the notebook or anything but i had a similar story on third grade as well remember when uh the world cups come around they ha you have like the little mm -hmm. books with the stickers mm -hmm. and the sticker books and everything and those things were the all the rage and i was a huge soccer fan so and we also didn't have the money to buy the the, the book and then you have to buy all the stickers and you, you all of that <laughs> stuff so i remember i'll never forget this i learned how to draw and may maybe you'll remember this you remember seven up many, many, many years ago had the Fido. Yes. So I learned to draw him in a bunch of different positions and skateboard and all that stuff. And same thing. I used to draw that during class for them. They would give me the money and I would take that money and buy. And I filled out my entire, you know, uh, World Cup album. So that's so crazy that we had such a similar <laughs> experience. Okay. So back to you. Um, you go through that experience and that obviously that, 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 that kind of stays with you. What happens next? So um, I continue that doing that kind of technique of collaging and, and calligraphy and um, handwriting on notebooks and on everything else. I was writing on walls. I was writing of my cassettes. I didn't have money to buy CDs or ca original cassettes. So I will record the, my favorite music from the radio stations, buying cassettes and and then I started doing the collages and doing the covers for my cassettes. So I had them on the shelves, very nicely organized. So 
I started applying those techniques uh, throughout all my life, correct? But I didn't know there was a career. I didn't know that actually you can make a living out of it, right? right? Back then in Colombia, you had to be a, a lawyer or a, or a doctor or... The traditional, the traditional, you got to go to school, you got to get your, you got to make something of yourself. All right. <laughs> uh, so I never crossed my mind, uh, study something in the arts or design. So I landed in the United States when I was um, 19 years old and I couldn't go to Miami Dade College because I didn't have my, my residence. Okay. So I, I, I entered these vocational, vocational, vocational schools called uh, Robert Morgan. Okay. And then the, the only class available that I was attractive to me was commercial art. Then one of one of the requirements was um, to buy a computer, of course. And then they had, that was my first encounter ever with computers. Okay. So I, and then I saved some money and I bought my first computer because I was really attracted to the design of the Apple computer. Remember the egg yeah. computer? Yeah. It was in, in very colorful designs, and I was extremely mesmerized by by the designs, by their simplicity, by the fonts. Uh, library it was small, but it had a very well curated font selection um, with the Mac. So that was my first Mac, and then I started uh, doing research who was behind all that, and I found out about the life of Jonathan. If Jonathan, I've uh, served. Jonathan Ive now, and Steve Jobs, of course. And so I became a fan. And they introduced me. They were the first introduction to design and simplicity. And, and I knew that that was the, the career I wanted to follow next. And in the meantime, I was as I was studying this career, I was doing car wash uh, on the site. So I grabbed my backpack and on the weekends, and I was uh, washing cars. I was knocking on people's doors and, hey, can you please allow me to wash your car? And I was getting a lot of rejections, but um, a few, the few positive ones allowed me to grow my business. And during the week, I was um, the janitor at a Target store at Dayland. Okay. I did that like for four months, uh, doing the shift from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Damn, you were and hustling. Was, you were hustling. Yes. <laughs> I love that, it. Was, that was a, a, a horrible job um, uh, because first I didn't like the, the schedule. I didn't like working at, at that time. So I was, I used to take breaks in the feeding rooms in order to get some rest because at seven in the morning I had to go to school at Miami Day. And then on the weekends uh, doing car wash. So I was able to save money and bought my first band and then I did my first logo ever for my own company. It was called Extreme Auto Detailing, Mobile Auto Detailing. So I did the, 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 the logo, I designed it, it was really nice. And I did the graphics with vinyl, I painted the van with my friend. And I, uh, and I did the whole setup and it was like my first branding uh, execution from the design to execution, everything. Right. So people were seeing the nice logo and the nice graphics. So people were calling. 
And, for, and uh, I, let me guess, not for the car wash, but for the logo. Who did your logo and your branding, right? <laughs> yes, kind of. That was a little bit after. But okay. Another uh, fun story was that the clientele that I was able to to interact with. So I had a business a client like The Rock. I had uh, OJ Simpson, uh, DJ Khaled, but then uh, Little Wayne and many others. So. But I didn't know who they were because I wasn't uh, very involved in the U.S. culture. Okay. I I remember one day uh, they asked because I was really like I was treating them like any other humans, not celebrities. And then I was washing the car um, for already like three months into O.J. Simpson. Correct. And do you know who he is? No. He's just my client. And then I saw, okay, you should do some research. So I went back home with my, with my dial up connection and I did the, the research and I was like, oh, oh, okay. Holy crap. That's incredible. That's a story that many people know. Wow. I haven't been able to share with many people. So what year is this? That was probably 2005, okay. 2004. My, my, my other question was going to be like, so did you ever do the car wash for the Bronco? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, but I had many other stories uh, that are crazy. So, um, and then because the question, but going back to your question and who did you logo? And then I started, it was me. So I started getting more requests for design. So I reached out a moment that when I was like, okay, I want to study full time. So I sold my business and with, uh, with that money, I was able to pay and fund my, my school, my university. So I went to New World School of the Arts and I graduated with a bachelor's in design. And that's how everything started. That's crazy. uh, And then, so you you graduate and then I guess at that point, do you just commit full on to to the art side of things or what? What happened then? Yes. Yes, I stopped doing car wash and I dedicated, um, I started doing full-time design. And I graduated with honor. One of the projects during school, I had this professor, his name is called Fred Snitzer. He made our life very miserable uh, to, the, to the designers because he's an art collector. He's an, uh, an art critic. He's uh, an excellent uh, professional at his craft, but he didn't understand designers. So he was always making fun or making bad uh, jokes about designers. So that instead of me feeling insulted, I felt challenged and I felt inspired. And it it was an open invitation for me to be able to navigate from design to art. I'd be curious to find how to know how you define or how you differentiate between design and art uh to me um i can differentiate them in two ways one is having a client and second design with design we solve a problem we communicate or we educate with art is to me is what i feel what i i think i i need to express and i translate that into a visual medium okay and because of this challenge with uh, my professor Fred, I, I started doing. I went back 
to my roots of doing things by hand because from 2001 to 2008, I was mesmerized with the computer and I was doing everything with the computer. <clears throat> so I dropped everything. I started doing everything with my hands again as I was a kid. So I started uh, collect. I, 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 I had this amazing concept, which was um, targeting the, the advertising industry. So I collected um, for almost 4,000 cigarettes, 18,000 nails, and, and what else? And French fries from McDonald's. And I created these beautiful pieces that um, not only um, create the, the necessary impact to my professor, that I was able to navigate uh, the lines between design and art, but also it brought me a lot of international recognition. These three pieces. Wait, so you wow. used those three things for one piece, or each one of them were was for one piece? I did three pieces. One was it spelled the word flavor, which okay. was uh, criticizing or or commenting about the the tobacco industry and how they promote visually how good amazing it is or how attractive it is, but uh, they don't. I was showing how harmful it is in the back. So I created this beautiful, um, let's say, typography sculpture using uh, 3,750 cigarettes, showing some of them with, um, with the nicotine. The nicotine is what spelled the, the, the word flavor, and the rest are unused cigarettes. Okay. So I was criticizing the, the tobacco company, but in a beautiful way. And so that one brought that one specifically brought a lot of international uh, recognition and exposure. Back then, the internet was good, but it wasn't as viral as of today. So I was invited to international exhibitions. I was invited um, to be featured in multiple printed books. So one day I was in Paris and I went into this library and I opened a book on typography and and I and I opened it and found my my work there and I was like wow this day I'm gonna take it forever in my heart. That's awesome. So it paid off. And so now you've taken that career, maybe give the listeners a little bit of a of a, a description of the types of projects that you're working around right now. Um or or maybe if you want to talk about some of your past or current projects that you're most proud of and the origins of how those came about. I'm very proud of every single project that I've done, even the smallest one, because they all come from the heart. They all come from a good place. They all come with a strong concept. And, and they always uh, surprise me because you don't know how the, the audience is going to respond to it. And tracking that response is is completely amazing. One of the projects that I'm that I can remember right now uh, that I'm very proud of it's a project that I did. Not a project. It was um, an exhibition that I, I was invited for the calligraphy Biennale in in Dubai, in Sharjah, most specifically in the United Arab Emirates, in 2016 and in 2018. I was the only Hispanic Spanish speaker and Colombian calligrapher to be invited. So we were uh, 25 of the best calligraphers and 
artists with letters in, in the world to be invited. So wow, only 25 of us. So that, that to me, the, receiving the invitation was like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I had to check, is this a spam? Is <laughs> Not because I didn't re- deserve it or anything like that, but you don't get those invitations on a daily basis right. or often. So I was invited in 2016 and 2018. And in 2018, uh, I did a piece under the concept of the essence. So I did over a year of research on that subject. And I came out with an idea. I did an installation with mirrors and with letters um, painted all over um, the floor and the walls. And it was... A complete success. Not only I was able to capture the aesthetics that I, I wanted it to portray the message, to convey the message, and to start this conversation, but during the pro- the process was extremely beautiful to get to that point. And ultimately, when I exhibited the, the piece, there were uh, so many people that reached out to me via. Um, text message, um, direct message or WhatsApp telling me how beautiful this was this piece because it was able to transcend and change their life in a way. The messages were like, Camilo, I never, I'm 34 years old and I never asked myself the question, who am I? That was the title and, and of my work. And it really impacted me and changed my life. I think I'm a new person now. And the messages were uh, navigating those lines. The other messages that we received were kind of similar. So being able to track and receive those messages was incredible. Like, So I imagine that in, in some ways, you're kind of dealing on two types of projects, right? So one is the ones that you are coming up with yourself and you're, it's just pure creativity and you're just kind of acting out of whatever you want. Second is, let, let's call it commission or something like somebody's hiring you for a certain project to have a specific need. So maybe you can go a little bit into how you how you manage those two types, how you bounce between those two, how you find the time to... I, I'm going to assume that it's it's a very different process for both, right? One where you're servicing a client or or you're getting commission for something versus one where it's just you. What are you creating? Fantastic question. Fantastic question. Yes. Uh, I think this, this opens uh, a, new, a new conversation, um, especially for the youth, for these uh, new and upcoming designers and, and the youth. So how do I go back? From 2011 almost to 2015, I was doing a lot of uh, commercial work. After graduating, I was I became really, really good at, at branding and creating logos and creating the whole corporate identity. So I was getting a lot of um, requests to do that, correct? Including Matt Kusher approached me to to work with him. So we sat down with Matt. Uh, for those who, who know Matt, he's the, the owner and the and the concept and the and the creator and the mastermind behind all the Kush Hospitality restaurants. And so I sat down with him, hey Camilo, I want I want to create this logo. I was referred to you, blah blah blah. 
So I created the logo and he loved it. And I was, he was, by the way, I saw your website and I see you have these beautiful pieces that you created with cigarettes and, and, and nails and French fries. So do you think you can come up with, um, do something within those lines for my, for my space, for my new restaurant? And I was like, oh my God, that's, that's lovely. Thank you very much for inviting me to do that, you know? So that was the first project where I was invited to do my art for a, com for a commercial purpose. And then that's how I, um, I blend my art and design into what we call uh, experiential design or environmental design. And so thanks to Matt, I was able to, to create more work of like that, more artistic work. So I kept uh, doing the, these commercial projects, the design and branding. I was able to, to save some money and allocate some money to fund my personal projects, meaning that my art, my, so I was, I was keep doing my personal projects and then showcasing them via Instagram or Behance or different channels, my website. So people were looking at them. And then they were, businesses were approaching uh, us to, hey, I love what you're doing on your personal projects. Do you think you can blend it with my brand? And if the brand doesn't align with me, I will certainly say no. I was approached once by McDonald's. And of course, I rejected it. I sat down with them and And it was one of the greatest pleasure of my life. You were like, listen, I already did something with your French fries. So <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I accepted the invitation. <laughs> I sat down on, on the board meeting and I listened to everything that they had to say. And I was like, no. And they couldn't believe it that I was uh, rejecting a, a commercial project from McDonald's. And I walked out of the door feeling so amazing what what I was like why wow why turn down mcdonald's so because i think this is a good good conversation to have as you said you know with a lot of artists uh, up and coming and everything a lot of people are going to find themselves in in situations where they're going to have to decide whether they want to take a specific client or not and a lot of times it may be a difficult decision yes. to say no because a lot of times the, those those projects or those they come with a good payday, right? And so yes, maybe, maybe you can go into a little bit of that. Why did you say no? What, what was going through your head? Why did I say no? Uh, because it, it was a personal, because it, it didn't align with my personal values. Okay. Uh, most basically. Um, How so? Because... I, first, I don't subscribe to, to their food. I don't think that's food. Okay. Uh, I know that is not food because I have, the, uh, well, my, this piece that I created with French fries, it is 12 years old and the French fries are still intact. So imagine that that's not food. That's, wow. that is, that is, um, that is food created in a lab. So I don't subscribe to it and, If it doesn't align or vibe with me, I will simply say no. Okay. 
Another client that reached out to, to us was uh, this vape company. Uh, what is it called? The most known one? You, you, yes. Okay. From San Francisco. They reached out to us to do an installation and we say no. Okay. I, I think you, that decision and, and your, your peace of mind is worth more than, than th that check. And I when I was, when they reached out to me, they were um, in challenging moments of the studio. But I'm super happy to this day that I rejected it. That's I awesome. rejected them. That's, a, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you, uh, as a professional, we will, um, um, whoever is out there listening, if you're a designer, you will be uh, put or you will confront those situations. So stick to your values and do what your heart tells you. So going back to the, to, to the, what we were talking about uh, just a little while ago. Um, so how are you finding that you're balancing that, you know, the commissions and the client work and everything versus your own creative time you're the, the, for the projects where you're just kind of experimenting and figuring all of that out. How do you, do you have a system or, or, or is it just different every single day, depending on what, what you're working on? It is very different. Uh, every single day, fortunately, it, that's, that's what keeps us alive. <laughs> that's what keeps us entertained. That's what keeps us going. And the, the, um, the very diverse projects that we've found um, ourselves uh, invited. How do I keep the balance? Um, or or would you even say question. that you keep a balance? Sometimes some people say like, no, I have no balance. Sometimes I'm working all out on client stuff. Sometimes I have a lot of downtime and it's, uh, it is what it is. So oh, downtime, what is it? <laughs> No, we are always creating uh, downtime. We create it by going to the beach and, and connecting with nature. Okay. Um, the way I do it is I, I, allocated the, the, I allocate the time. Uh, I give priority to the commercial projects because they keep us uh, financially um, stay, uh, sustain, to sustain the business. And then when, I, when a concept comes to my head, I have to actually put it down on paper, sketch it, and then execute it. And then since it doesn't have a deadline, it's an ongoing um, project. And when I put it out on, on, on my social media or my so, on, my, on the internet, then I, I, I'm able to, to measure it and, and see what people and then after I, I, right. And then I, after I get invited to exhibitions and so I can navigate very easily into the projects. I I don't really have a system in place. Okay. So going back to, to a word, and this is a question that I always like to ask all of my guests. And, and with you, it's specifically um, uh, good to ask this question. And going back to that word entrepreneur, right? So I always like to ask, would you consider yourself a creative first and then a business person second? Or would you consider yourself a business person first, creative second? Because you have to manage those two, right? You have to, you're bouncing <laughs> constantly between those two as an entrepreneur. So, but if, if, if you can't be both, if you have to say which one you are first, what would your answer be? Oh, creative, 100%. Creative, okay. All the time, yes. Nice. 
And then the, the creative leads you to do good business. I think that's for sure, without a doubt, that's my process. Okay. Then I have a I have a process for that, you see. <laughs> I didn't have a process for the client and uh, my personal projects, but for that for this one, yes. Okay. I'm always first a creative, then a business, for love sure. It, love it. Um so we've talked a little bit on on some of those experiences, specifically that experience that you shared earlier on about like the notebook and having to like design your own notebook and everything. Any other experiences that that most shaped who you are today that come to mind? <laughs> yes, I have. I have to actually. Uh, I, I'm going to try to 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 speak uh, faster on this one. One is um, I run my life by a few sayings. One of them is "Beware of comfort." That also I translated through art and through calligraphy. Uh-huh. I've done beautiful pieces with it. Uh, I had a perfect. I have a wonderful job. In two thousand and nine, I was probably twenty five or twenty six. I don't remember. And then I I recently graduated from university. I had a really good um, job. They were paying me really good. I had my loft. I have a a brand new car and I had everything material, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling right in the sense that I, as a creative, I wanted to create something more meaningful, something that creative impact to my community, to myself, to my close network, to the world. So I wasn't creating that. I was only among creating identities and branding and logos and I didn't know how to start and I didn't know what to do. So I asked myself my question, what would you do if you were 50 years old? What would you do? And then I quit everything and I had little savings and I moved to Paris and I started, um, I went to a French school and the world opened to me. And then that's why that's when I started uh, listening to all the stories around the world. I travel extensively from there. I've been through every continent except Antarctica. And I've had many stories to tell. Now I, I became a storyteller. And because of that little, well, it was a little decision, but very impactful decision. That was one that changed forever my, my life. Another, another instant that changed for good my life. So I had to, I learned to be resourceful. I learned, I woke up my senses. I learned a new culture, new smells, new food, uh, new language. It was like being born again. I faced different challenges. I didn't have any money and I had to be resourceful again. So with one example was I created my own business cards with him. I was going to the clubs and getting the postcards and I was curating the graphics in the front and I was cutting them with scissors and then writing my information in the back. And then when I was going to parties or even at the metro station or whenever I have the opportunity to interact with somebody, I was exchanging the card. And then they will be like, oh my God, that's very unusual. Like, 
this business card started a new conversation and they were like, Oh, I love your creativity. Oh, I might have a, 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 a job for you. And then I, I work with, um, I ended up working with, uh, Lafarge with, with, uh, big global corporations in France and all started from a simple handwritten business card. So wow. I was able to get through the French life like that. And then after when I first in 2015, I rented my first office space and then it was a big step for me f moving forward as, as a professional because I didn't have an sufficient funds to, to rent an office or a studio. So where I'm going to get the extra money, but thanks to my wife that she's fearless to at let's do it. So we did it. And for five consecutive months, I didn't earn a penny, not a penny, nothing, zero. And I was famous. Let's say I was broke and famous. I was being invited to these exhibitions and I'm, and being invited to, to feature my work in, in books. So I was receiving all the printed books with, where, with my work on it. And I was like, wow, but I don't even have a, a client now. So five consecutive months without getting a client or a paying job. And they were really challenging to me and allowed me to grow tremendously. And that's when It's a Beautiful Day was born. So if you know my work, you've seen It's a Beautiful Day. And it was born of five, four to five months of pain, of uncertainty, of not knowing what to do, where my at night they were hunting me they, because I didn't have money. And I had to pay rent from my home, from my food, for the car, for, you know, all the expenses, right? And the day to me was a new opportunity, a new to begin to to create something, to pitch uh, a new idea, to engage with a new client. And so I started writing "It's a Beautiful Day" everywhere as a therapy, and then that's how "It's a Beautiful Day" was born. Wow! So that was another. So what's going so through your mind through that? Because, you know, for, for a lot of people, those difficult times is usually, you know, a specific day or, or a series of days or anything, but you're going through it for five months. So what's going through your mind throughout that entire time? I, I can only imagine, but I want to hear from you. What, where is your mind going? Where, who, where are you turning to for, for encouragement to to go another day, like what, talk to me about that process. Uh, at the time, now that I see it, uh, I was being very brutal with myself, with in my mind. At night, okay, my nights were were bad. I didn't, I couldn't sleep. Not, not to the extreme points, but I was giving too much power to my mind. Uh, and, and I know nowadays that it's not healthy. And of course, I know better because I was able to overcome that situation. And how did I, I was able to cope with it? Yeah, the mornings when the sun, the sun, when the sun rise, with the sunrise, it was, it was beautiful. It was, I was excited all over again to start 
again, okay, let's do it. I don't have money, but wow, let's do it. And and now that I remember, to the, like to the fifth month, I had to go to the bank and ask for a loan because I couldn't anymore. And last week I went to the same bank uh, to open uh, an account, and they were like. I remember the day when you came to, to for that loan and and now it's a different story, a completely different story. Wow. And I was that was a beautiful, beautiful moment last week too. Wow. Those those small wins, they they mean a lot. So I, So that day, that day you I'm sure you were thinking, damn, today really is a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. In, in a similar fashion, you know, one, one thing that usually impacts our life is, is moments, defining moments like what you spoke about. The other thing is, is people. Um, I'm curious to know who are the most influential people in your life and, and maybe some of the things that you've taken from them, some of the things that they've, how they've impacted your life. Wow, you really have really tough and really good questions. <laughs> Um, uh, all the females and women in my life are a big inspiration being one, uh, my grandma, second, my mom and third, my wife. I'm fortunate to know them and live my life with them, you know, because they resilience and, and courage, courage all the time. So they are my biggest inspiration. And on a professional level, uh, definitely Steve Jobs. And second, Stefan Sachmeister. He's an, uh, a designer from Austria. And, and God, you know. Love it. <laughs> He's always with us. Love it. Love it. Me. So you, you kind of touched on the... Uh, remind me again the quote that you said, the, the, the comfort. Com- Beware of comfort. Beware of comfort. Um, any other, so that's, that's probably one that, as you said, you live by beware of comfort, any other quotes that you find yourself thinking of every single day that, that you, you would kind of say, you try to live by those, those quotes. Lately, um, because of 2020, I I thought I had a, a very good idea or, or I was good at living the now or living the present moment. But 2020 challenged me. And nowadays um, I'm working and exploring more in the concept of the power of now and how to honor it and live the present moment, the, the eternal now. So right now I'm, I'm working towards it. Honoring the present moment. Okay. Love it. Love it. And so looking forward, you know, 2021, moving forward, what what's next for you? Wow. Um, you know, I have a, a ritual with my wife that every year, at the beginning of the year, we write uh, down our, our goals. Okay. We don't write that we don't write that many because not that we we are very ambitious, but we want to achieve them all, correct? And last year we wrote this 10 and 
and we everything changed. I, I not only for for me, not only for my wife, but for everybody. Right. And so right now we're taking day by day, week by week, and that's pretty much it. Um, for me, if I have, I, I so I, not that I took a break this year, not to write them. I wrote them. Uh, the most immediate is welcome this this new human in our lives and very excited and looking forward for what he or she can teach us. So we are going to learn a lot more from a new human. So I'm very excited. So for this new addition to the family and another one, it will be to keep growing our company, shoot my travel and, and create studio. And third will be to exhibit in, in Japan. Nice. So I'm very attractive to the Asian culture and specifically to Japan now. So I'm, I'm careful with what I ask to the universe Okay. because every time I do it, it, it happens. Okay. So, uh, careful what you I am asking, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and it's so good, you know, like, so I'm asking to the universe to be able to to exhibit my work in in Tokyo. Love it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yes. So let's switch into the Miami Rapid Fire segment. So I'm just going to throw out a couple of quick questions around Miami living, and you can just short, quick answers. The first thing that comes to mind. First one is favorite food spot and dish in Miami. Oh wow. You're going to put me in trouble here. Choose one or two. Can I mention two? I'll give you two. Okay. Because I don't uh, want to get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, favorite, um, the Frida, the Frita burger by Local. Okay. Coconut Grove. Okay. Oh, that's a must for sure. And second one. And wow. You're going to put me in trouble here, but. I have to choose Lecou. Lecou, the new place. Okay. The new restaurant by the Rubel family collection. So Lecou is more oriented into Basque uh, food, uh, Spanish food. Okay. But um, they do a lot of um, good plates with vegetables and with uh, mushrooms. So I'm very fond of it. So that's, I would say, is my second choice. All right. Perfect way to spend a Miami weekend. Connecting with nature and going to the beach, okay. for sure. If you are stuck in Miami traffic, what are you listening to? Uh, mu- uh, random music on my YouTube player. Okay. Yes, I, I don't, anything I don't in per- listen to music. Anything in particular that you tend to gravitate towards? Type of music? It depends, or- on, my, it depends on my mood, but I have to admit it. it but... Biggest percentage, it goes to reggaeton. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, any other Miami businesses or individuals or entrepreneurs that you want to mention or highlight for doing amazing things? Oh, wow. So many to mention. Let's, let's see. Um, first, to my wife, uh, Valerie Lopez with Shoot My Travel, my partner, Andres with Andres Echeverri, we shoot my travel. Of course, my team, because they're 
they're amazing. And also I'm very fortunate to to work and interact and and be friends with some who have started being my clients. Now they're my my friends and clients. And one of them is Matt Kusher, who has also been a great mentor in business. I admire him and respect him a lot. Uh, second, Lauren Arboleda with Food from the Heart. Okay. You should, I invite you to know her. Okay. Um, another creative individual and an and entrepreneur, of course, Janif Cohen with who is the spice detective okay. Do you know him no oh my god you should watch the um, he's right now on netflix he okay. did uh, a show called um the the leftovers something i forgot that it, it is a show on netflix uh with being creative and creating a, a nice plate out of leftovers okay so check it out his name is Janiv Coin with the Spy Detective, and his his restaurant is called Jaffa. I have to mention um, my friend, a young, really young entrepreneur. His name is Aaron Plutwinski. I I always I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Aaron, shout out to you. Uh, what is what is so Aaron? Aaron, he has a, pl- a platform called Canvas Room. So I will send you his information. Okay. Who else? Another, oh, another Miami creative that I ad- admire and respect. Um, her name is Tam Green. Right now she's the, the, the curator and the head curator at Showfields Miami. Okay. She's amazing. And who else? Well, very cool. So many people. <laughs> very cool. And you, of course. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so look, in a second, I'm going to ask you to share with the listeners where they can connect with you, uh, you know, keep up to date and everything. But before I do that, I want to kind of ask you anything that you wanted to kind of touch on, anything that you wish we would have talked about that we didn't, any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for the listeners, anything. Okay, so something that we didn't talk on uh, is that I always, with our design skills, is not only for our own benefit. With our creativity and talent, we, we can generate bigger impact and always remind, remember that we, can, we should give back. And I've been fortunate to interact and do many activities, giving back to my community and teaching my talents. And our talents, um, and briefly, I'm going over a few of them. We went to a refugee camp in Athens in Greece to teach the refugees how to paint and how to take photographs. So that was another moment in my life that changed my life uh, positively. And instead of me going to, to Greece to teach the refugees a lesson, I was the one that learned from them. And what did you take away? We've done. What was one of the many things that I'm sure you took away from that experience? Oof. Uh, the innocence of children. 
they they have so many good things to teach you so always listen to kids they'll have cool stuff to say their innocence is is incredible and their joy without having anything or not even a home and they're constantly smiling puts puts things into perspective right oof so always give back it, it will help you not only as an individual you will help tremendously a community you will generate good impact you will plant a positive seed uh into somebody's life and that will generate a ripple effect love it so love always it. give back love it camilo what's the best way for listeners to connect with you see what you're up to all of that okay um, on my instagram it's camilo rojas and my studio handle is create studio cr underscore e-a-t-e studio and if you're traveling next time you travel and you need a photo because you never in the photo <laughs> and uh, yeah, hire you professional photographer either when you travel abroad or in your own city for anything for your birthday party for your travels uh, find us at shoot my travel shootmytravel.com or at shootmytravel on Instagram uh, where else can they find us yes and of course uh, listeners if, if you want to find out a lot more information about shoot my travel just remember that we also had Valerie on on episode 26 where she went you know that's the other side of the the, 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 the other half of the apple here for, for Camilo oh. so <laughs> awesome brother um, well Camilo Thank you very much. It's, it's been amazing. You are one truly inspirational individual, and I consider myself lucky to have met you and now to know you. So thank you for coming on, and that's it. Thank you, Gerardo, for this platform and sharing these stories. It, it, it really means a lot, not to me, but to the community. Awesome. So man. I do appreciate it that you're doing this. Awesome, man. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at MiamiCreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.